The way to prepare our kids is to expose them in a controlled environment to, hey, look, here's a pedo. Hello and welcome to episode number 114 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, November 27th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's Black Friday all year long. And from America's left coast, where all Fridays matter, I'm Ryan Bemrose. They do. All Fridays do matter. This is normally the largest shopping day in the United States. Whether it's going to be or not, I don't really care. I mean, I still have retail flashbacks. The the sales have have definitely come out. It's all online these days. You remember? You remember like fifteen years ago when they were like, "Well, Black Friday isn't what it used to be because now everybody buys online." So the real holiday is Cyber Monday, right? So you think? Do you think Monday is going to shatter all records set by today? No, not, none of it makes sense anymore because the way everything is done has changed. Retail has changed. And I mean, I lived through the glory days, you know, back when Black Friday was a huge thing and working, you know, the 12 hour shifts and when people would regular. I mean, I know there are still some crazy people out there who probably were up at like three, four, five o'clock in the morning and going out. And I don't know how they're dealing with all of this in the yeah. you know socially yeah, you, distant you, world. Yeah, you go you go out at three, three, four, five o'clock in the morning and you stand in front of the mall that has been closed by edict of your emperor i mean i know because, the malls here are still open oh okay <laughs> i mean i don't know we're, how. we're in the middle we're in the middle of our our uh second wave lockdown thanks to uh god emperor inslee well it's good it's good to get that second wave in i mean i don't know I, the first wave like ever 36 end? wave <laughs> it doesn't know if they never end is it really another wave or this is just a uh of a continuation but when i mean yeah these uh, when the, when retail used to have these doorbusters they used to call it the shopping was done in a completely different way right i mean the inter- this was before the internet shopping really took over and what stores used to do which they no longer do anymore which is one of the reasons why people say stuff like well black friday's not what it used to be it's because the marketing had to change back when i was working at circuit city they would sell a bunch of whatever it is, TVs, receivers, washers, dryers. They would put them in the ad. They would sell a bunch of them for below cost. And they would hope that when you came in to buy that $200 TV, well, since it was Black Friday and you had to do all your Christmas shopping anyway, hopefully you were going to spend money on a lot more in the store. But when you do shopping online, that doesn't exist anymore. You don't have to go, oh, I bought my washer here. I'm going to buy everything here. No, you buy one thing and leave. Yeah, it's not quite the same to get the unruly mobs to be pounding at the door of your website. No, it's a little bit different, although some websites are uh, crashing and burning under the weight. I mean, maybe not so much anymore. I was surprised the other day because there was no super special or anything going on. But this is showing, I guess, Disney, the evil company that they are, was getting ready for some big crowds because my wife went to just look at the Disney site, the Disney shopping portion of their site. And was greeted with, oh, we put you into a queue. And it's like, what's it before you can even go look at things now? 
on the website. They're putting you into a queue to try to keep the uh, traffic, I guess, from getting too much well, at one time to one of the one of the rules of marketing, create artificial scarcity. Yes. So that was kind of interesting to see, because the worst thing you can have for a business that's selling online, and that's the only way you can do it in a lot of places, as you said, the worst thing you could do is have your system crash because then you're costing some some real money. But yeah, the Black Friday concept, I think, should be dead and gone by now. But, you know, it's still it'll be kept around it, as a, it's it's a tradition. And we haven't we're we're in the process of tearing down and destroying all of our traditions so that we can create new communist ones in this country, in, in this world. But right, because capitalism is all bad. the traditions. Yet. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the war on Thanksgiving that we just encountered oh, God. was pretty epic. Uh, I've, I've actually, I don't know if I need to go into all of them, but I, uh, you know, picked up a bunch of story, I mean, story after story of different places. Uh, Kate Brown in the Dictator of Oregon says, uh, you know, the, you can take all the drugs you want because they just legalized that in Oregon. Right. But we need you to snitch on your neighbors if if they have too many cars in front of their house. Right. If, uh, if grandma and or, grandpa show up at the same time, call the police. If somebody's yeah. doing heroin on your lawn, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil Brown, the direct dictator of Vermont, says uh, that uh, when kids come back to school on Monday, they're going to ask the kids if their parents had any Thanksgiving parties. <laughs> that's nice. Well, I mean, you have yeah. social media. I did notice that there were some people unafraid to post what their family gatherings were. And there was um, a lot of them with a lot of people without masks, without social distancing. So it'll be interesting to see, because the one thing I've noticed, the mainstream media hasn't said anything about all those big Biden celebrations. And now that we're a couple of weeks into that and now we're having the big wave, nobody's blaming it on the Biden thing. I don't know why. No, no it, because uh, when when liberals get together and you know celebrate without masks and that has nothing to do with the virus the only thing that causes the virus is people out after curfew and trump supporters yeah that does seem to be the way it is and uh Uh, oh the third one i had popped up uh uh luan grisham the dictator of new mexico is is now shutting down essential businesses as well including grocery stores for three weeks Okay, so now that's not going to cause any issues whatsoever. (laughs) Well, uh, there might be a toilet paper shortage. Yeah, I mean, that is an interesting concept because we've been talking about that since this all started. What do you do in the case of having, I mean, you have to have the grocery stores and stuff stay open. If not, people are not going to have enough food or people may not be able to afford three weeks of food at a time. And you're starting to run into some other major things, which is why people are finally getting fed up with it, making their uh, voices heard by going out into the streets all over the world. This is happening, which is interesting. Uh, people are getting a little bit tired of this because they're understanding that the technology behind all of these things like the PCR test, I was very surprised to see on RT, which is an Irish news outlet, that there were some scientists that took a look at this. And do you know what they believe the accuracy rate is on these uh, PNR tests. Uh, you mean PCR? PCR, yes. Sorry, uh, I, 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 I've got a a legal decision from Portugal where uh, they are uh, up to ninety seven percent false positive rate. But I don't know if that's that's where that's just a you know some judge's opinion based on evidence presented in court. What do you got? Yeah, that was the Irish said three percent. So that goes along with your ninety seven percent false positive is three percent accuracy as the uh, 
is what you're getting. And I have to wonder, was this done intentionally? Because people that tested positive for the virus and then went, oh, you know what? I was one of the lucky ones who didn't have any symptoms. And then two months later, they're on their ass with it going, oh, I got reinfected. No, you never had it in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. What what a surprise. Yes. What do you mean the test? You know, what do you mean? Forty five cycles in the it found everybody positive. Yeah. And it's dangerous. I mean, this is it's weird because now when this started, we know that there was nobody that we personally knew that really had it except one friend of my parents. And now there's a few people that I know personally that have the covid. Wait, you, you mean there's a flu virus going around during blue season? Yeah, I mean, but it's enough to put people in the hospital. My mom's friends in the hospital. And this is uh, yeah, yeah, the I mean, flu does that, too. Yes, it does. There's no question about it. And uh, I mean, the intriguing thing is looking at the stats, there is, you know, you would assume when you listen to all of the fear coverage of this, you would assume that 2020, because we've been watching this countdown or this count up, this thing going up on every website, every news website of how many people have died of COVID in the United States, you would think that in 2020 in the United States, we're going to have like way more deaths than we normally do in a normal year, right? You would think it feels like this this year has been nothing but a pure mass extinction event. Yeah. No, no, we're just we're on average, man. There is no more deaths in the United States oh, in 2020. Right. No, the mass extinction event, the one where where deaths are going to spike impressively will be next year as a result of all of the poverty that our governments have forced on all of us. Yes. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Your freedoms have maybe dying. Your wealth is dying. And this will all have a domino effect because, yeah, I mean, this is weird when you look at the stats and you want you know, everybody, all of these scientists, all of these doctors like the Fauci's and stuff who want to tell you. And you're right. This may be worse than a normal flu, but it is a virus and it is not killing more people than dying an average year anyway. So, yeah, maybe it's a horrible way to die. I'll go along with that. Maybe some people are dying that normally wouldn't have. But the the whole circle of life thing, I mean, let's just go to that and look at the stats and go, hey, we're not even seeing an uptick in deaths. So, you know, the, the world's not ending. I've got another study that's really going to blow your mind. You're going to love this one. Uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko and uh, two German doctors, Roland Derwand and Dr. Martin Scholz. Um, have found, uh, have, have published a study that found that, uh, 84% fewer hospitalizations for patients who have been treated with hydroxychloroquine, uh, zinc and a Z-pack. No, I mean, that works. Apparently we, we now have medical evidence that says that this is reducing the severity of COVID infections. Yes. And that is also the reason why How could we possibly have known if, if only we had known about this months ago, we <laughs> could have completely headed off this whole pandemic. You know, Donald Trump said it. So it had to become the wrong thing to do. And it's costing people lives. What's really bizarre is that um, the uh, there's a couple that my parents know really well that both have it. The uh, the guys in the hospital right now, and they didn't call their doctor immediately for any kind of assistance when they started getting sick. And I'm like, this makes no sense. If you've been following any of this, you know, I'm this not, is treatable. I'm not calling a doctor for anything these days. They're going <laughs> to, you know what? I have a doctor I trust. 
And yeah. maybe that's the difference. No, my, my doctor is part of a big corporate medical clinic. And, uh, it, you know, I have a, I, I have a maintenance medication for, uh, for gout that I take. Um, and I just need, it's prescription only, which is fucking ridiculous because it should be over the counter. The stuff, if, if you don't have gout and you take it, it does nothing. It's basically a salt tab. But if you do, then it prevents gout attacks. Okay. Well, you know, helpful. And I, I, I need to call up and get a prescription. Well, my prescription ran out a couple months ago and I called up the pharmacy. I'm like, yeah, just give me a new one. And they said, well, do you want us to call your doctor? I said, yeah, why not? And the, the doctor called me and I, of course, don't answer my phone. And, uh, finally, you know, she understands that it's good that you don't just randomly go off this medication. So. My doctor tries to call and finally, you know, doesn't get and goes and puts out a a one month prescription and on the bottle where it normally says, you know, take one tablet by mouth, whatever um, the next line underneath that. So this is what the doctor put in the usage instructions said, uh, call clinic for refill. So I'm like, fuck this. And I called I called him pharmacist and I said, I need another month or more. And that I got a call again from and this time I, I answer and they said, uh, well, we'd like you to come in for your yearly physical and we, we you know, we, you're, you're overdue for a yearly physical and we'd like you to come in. And I'm like, I'd like to have this medication, but I tell you what, I will go off the medication that you're prescribing me before I walk in to a clinic and be forced to wear a face diaper and get subject all these tests. And I know you're going to give me a goddamn nose swab test that I don't want. I don't want to be in your statistics for anything. I'm not coming in. So your question is, do you want to be complicit in me having to deal with gout or are you just going to refill this prescription that I've been stable on for eight years? And I'm surprised they're even open because the doctors here now are back to phone calls. Or if you have, you know, the technology with a webcam, they'll do it well, over I, that. Uh, trust me, there's lots of medical appointments that that are like that. In fact, uh, my wife has had a number of medical appointments that have been done over the camera. But I, it's difficult to draw blood through a camera, at least as far as I know, the current level of technology. And if they do develop a webcam that can take my <laughs> blood sample, I'm really not sure I would put it on my computer. That would be a great, like what, the Dalek of uh, webcams. You know, that would be so, awesome. So, yeah, um, I, I, I have not I, I got one more month with that speech, but we will find out if if she's going to let me go without my yearly physical. I was like, I, excuse me, but I'm I'm not showing symptoms of anything. I, I'm not going into the clinic presenting with anything. I'm the only reason I would go in is because you're holding my maintenance med hostage. Yeah, which isn't I good. Know. I mean, that is uh, like you said, you've been on it for almost a decade. It's something that you there's no reason to be taking you off of that. It is just a, well, we really need to see you. Well, why? What yeah. could have possibly happened that this tablet be, would uh, make worse? Nothing. Well, no. Well, the, the reason that they need to see me is because uh, with COVID being what it is and and the lockdowns being what it is, they're not making as much money as they want to be making. And they need more more doctor visits in order to make sure that the you know, the people are suitably sick, I guess. Yeah. And for, if you're getting this thing, though, I just don't I still don't understand the concept of going, oh, well, I'll just take a Tylenol. It's like, no, you can, you've heard what works when you catch it early. The hydroxychloroquine, as you said, a Z-pack and definitely zinc and vitamin D. 
all those things together are a fairly simple way to knock this thing down, at least if you're not a crazy uh, person on one side of the political yeah. aisle. But but I can do I can do most of that without having to go into a, a clinic. Oh, yeah. Everything I mean, with the, the vitamin D for certain that's over the counter. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Z pack and the, the Z pack and the hydroxychloroquine are prescription. But uh, if you have a doctor that's worth anything, they should be giving these out by now. Well, yeah, that should be a simple phone call of, hey, I think I've got the COVID. And they'd be like, here, try this. That yeah. Would be like, the first okay, thing. If, if, if you think you do, you know, what are your symptoms? You'd be like, if you describe them and they're like, yeah, that sounds like it. Let's go ahead and put you on this anyway, because there's really no downside. No. There isn't, and it doesn't make sense that people are afraid of the medication, except that the mainstream, I mean, when can the mainstream media be held accountable? Obviously, never for this, but it is really a sad thing that these people, the hatred of one guy who just happens to be president is probably affecting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people that could have taken a simple cocktail of these drugs. No, no, no doubt. I mean, all of the people who managed to catch the virus and did not take hydroxychloroquine in time before they got into a car wreck and got counted as a COVID death. Well, yeah, there's a difference of dying of COVID and dying with COVID. There's no question about it. There, no, there's not, according to the official no. stats. Well, the official stats, which nobody believes, but that's because the world overall is upside Jay down. King Inslee seems to believe them because he's taking more of my rights away, saying the cases are going up. Well, that is what happens when uh, the testing goes up. And there is no question that the amount of people that have the virus at this point seems to be going up. But I love all the people that have published the statistics and the graphs showing here's where all the mask mandates went into effect. And here's what happened after. Oh, it got worse than it was before. You know what else is going up is the people who had the virus and now have an immunity to it because. They had it and they got over it. Yeah, uh, we're 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 running headlong into this virus will have run its course. And we generally get herd immunity as a society because enough people are getting it because masks are totally freaking ineffective. Um, and and by the way, uh, I, I mean, as long as you brought up the censorship in the media and how the media is not reporting shit. Um, how about that Oxford study? Of uh, Dan Mask 19, which was the name of the study, uh, professors Carl Hennigan and Tom Jefferson of Oxford, who did a study on 6000 volunteers in Denmark, um, where half of them were instructed to go about your daily life wearing a mask everywhere. And half of them were instructed to go about your daily life without a mask. And uh, would you like to guess the difference in infection rates that they determined after three months of study? infection rate i am guessing that the number of infections with the people that wear masks are higher probably by about uh, 50 to 100 percent more than the people that wear masks you 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 would be wrong 0.2 percent higher chance of infection if you didn't wear a mask oh, so your study the masks are completely ineffective but at least they're not causing more harm then Yes, that seems to be the the effect. Yes, there is a a 0.2% difference in the rate of infection between the group who was wearing masks and the group that was not. So the uh, the the conclusion of the study is 
Uh, that number is not statistically significant. And therefore, this particular study determined that masks were totally ineffective. You, you read this on Facebook, right? No. Oh, no. Nobody read it on Facebook because Facebook was fact checking it and said the article is false and removing references <laughs> to it on their site, which, by the way, got professors Hennigan and Jefferson to get really, really cranky with Facebook. And that is why it suddenly became uh, a, an article. But trust the science. No, they, they don't want to trust the science. And it, well, it is. That's one good thing that comes out of this, because I was starting to get the vibe that the wearing mask was actually making things uh way worse than not well, because well the, the I, just to be clear the only thing that this study was measuring was infection rate of covid-19 true it and doesn't it seems like wearing masks doesn't seem to affect that there are lots of other problems with wearing masks yeah they can definitely cause other problems they can cause other viruses because you know you're basically living in your own little ecosystem when yeah. you breathe out and it's or uh uh, an, another study by uh, the uh, I wish I'd written it down some something something Department of Pediatrics, uh, which determined that uh, the emotional development of small children is being severely stunted by not being able to see facial expressions during their first two years of life. Yeah, I can see that as well. It's going to cause for a whole lot of problems moving down yeah, the line it's I, I, it's almost like wearing face diapers is not natural for human beings well um, it's not oh the the last thing i want to point out about the oxford study is uh if, if you do a search on uh, dan mask 19 um the study this article that i had I, i've been sitting on it for a little while it came out about a week and a half ago and that was enough time for all the spin to be jumping in so when i was trying to search for details on this study um the first like five pages of news results were various outlets explaining to you why this study is total bunk. And <laughs> most of them were like, well, it's not quite as scientifically rigorous as, as it needs to be to conclusively prove a hundred percent channel. Like, yeah, well, neither is anything that says masks work, but, but let's go ahead and just apply the standards of rigor to the ones that we don't like and not the ones that we approve of anyway. Right. Um, but, the article I came across in MedPage today, I pretty much sums up everything that I found while searching for this. The headline of this article is, you're going to love this. Here's how to think about the Danish mask study. Oh, how to think. Okay. How to think. So we as a society don't know how to think anymore. And so when we do searches and we read articles, they're not telling us here's what we interpreted. They're not telling us, uh, you know, here, here are the findings. They're not telling us anything about the science behind it. They're telling us how to think. So you that's, can't just that's have, right. You can't have scientists <laughs> say, well, here's what we did. Here was how we set up our little experiment. This was what no, we, that, that was Hennigan and Jefferson. Right. They, they did that. Right. But then now when they tell you what they did and what their results are, now we need somebody to explain the results, even though the results in this case were we saw no statistical difference between the two sets. I mean, how you hard know, I, is that to understand? And I'm even fine with somebody saying here is the our interpretation of the results. But I am not fine with somebody going out and putting out an article saying, here's how to think. I know how to think. Thank you very much. Well, how were we supposed to think about these uh, this 
results these results oh, they think it's total bunk and that you should always wear masks permanently for the rest of your life because <laughs> the it you know it, it's compassion masks are love right even though there's no way they stop viruses and they were never intended to stop viruses and uh, you know otherwise let's just uh, avoid that whole concept and the the data that we got early on even with things like how long this virus lasts on surfaces now, the more and more you read, it's like, well, yeah, when we said it would last like 70, you know, two hours or whatever it was on plastic. Well, yeah, I mean, we loaded it up with more virus than any normal person like coughing right on it would. Yeah. So, yeah, we 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 put little samples of the virus on there that were 10 times more than a cough. And then we went ahead and placed some lacquer over it. Right. And then we left it. <laughs> And then when we pulled the lacquer off, we were able to find more vi- or the virus underneath there. It, we, was, who it, knew? it was still there. And, uh, you know, which is why I was uh, intrigued by one of these groups that uh, there were, I think, out of Spain that looked at people and their habits and which ones had the lowest occurrence of the virus and which had the highest. And, you know, one of the things that was common with the people who had the lowest occurrences were those who wipe off their groceries when they bring them in from the grocery store. And, you know, that's something the wife and I have been doing. I know it seems crazy, but no, do you have any idea how many people cough on the produce? That is kind of, you know, my thought in the produce. I mean, we just try to avoid altogether and buy stuff that's prepackaged just strictly because of that. But it's an easy thing to Uh, do. You know, a lot of these packing plants actually hire people whose job is specifically to cough on your produce before packaging it. Well, right. So that way they can spread the virus and everybody can get herd immunity. That is important. Yeah. Well, it's important to make sure the virus spreads so that we can continue the lockdowns and our slow decline into communism. You know, and I just figured that the thing, the reason for that was the people that wiping down their groceries, having a lower instance of the virus, because the other thing it showed was people getting groceries delivered had a higher instance than those who went to the grocery store. And I thought that was kind of intriguing because I, then I thought about it for a minute and I was guessing, well, if there was any virus on the packaging or whatever of your groceries, the people that are getting them delivered think they're yeah. safe. The, the dudes walking around the store who who spend 10 hours a day walking around the store, picking up groceries and putting them into a bag and then, yeah. And then bringing them to you, but people get that false sense of security. Like, well, gee, I didn't go to the store and I'm having them delivered. So I'm safe. It's like, well, it can live there. And I mean, I wouldn't use the, like the Clorox wipes and stuff like that, but we have a bunch of, yeah. uh, yeah. Who who wants chemicals on your food? Right. But we do have a bunch of the, uh, you know, the, uh, isopropyl alcohol and I'm fine. Just putting that on a paper towel and wiping everything down as it comes in. The only problem that evaporates. Yeah. It evaporates quickly, but it kills any virus that's on the stuff. Yeah, it's no, there's no other chemicals in there. And you Another find the thing that helps that, that I've, I've taken to doing with a lot of my raw groceries is uh, heat will damage a virus. So I cook my food. Yeah, well, that's helpful. But I mean, even just, you know, you buy a gallon of milk, wipe the outside of the milk off because you don't know. Oh, definitely cook your milk. Yeah, you've got to cook your milk. There's no question about it. But, you know, at least the isopropyl alcohol, there's no other weird stuff in it. Like some of these, uh, you know, Clorox wipes. For mixing. If it's a beverage, I always prefer mixing it with ethanol instead of isopropyl. (laughs) Do not drink isopropyl alcohol. Sir Bemrose is making a joke. I know that's not always easy for people to figure out, but it would be dangerous to drink that kind of stuff. But there's no reason not to go. You know, if you don't want to get sick, there's no reason not to take 
at least some kind of precautionary measures. And I really I think there's a much higher chance that I would pick up something from, you know, a milk jug that somebody coughed on rather than, you know, somebody dropping off a pizza at the door. But, you know, everybody's got to make their own choices. Yes, I, 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 you know, I wish I were allowed to make my own choices. I've got, well, you know, dictators making my choices for me or trying to. And, and the one thing that is a real pain in the ass, if you want to wipe your groceries down with isopropyl alcohol, you learn really quick that uh, some of the packaging was never meant to handle that. It no, just, <laughs> the ink just comes right off. And uh, it's like, oh, wow, you're not putting a lot of money into the ink on this, uh, you know, the plastic uh, loaf of, you know, the covering of the plastic uh, well, on the loaf of bread. But but honestly, it, I so <laughs> I know why. Why would you put more money into it? I agree. It's just kind of a funny thing to you know yeah. watch. You know, yeah. And, you know, the best thing about it is that once you've handled the package after you've done that, you got like you got all that ink. You can just like wipe your brow, instant blackface. Yeah, and then you will be then you'll be and, and then you'll be canceled in Canada unless your name is Fidel Castro. Yeah. Kid. Yeah, if you were a Castro, you'd be okay though, because they like yeah. the commies up there. And um, I mean, there's definitely so, a, a there's definitely a war on all things that uh, are American. Because YouTube, did you see what YouTube celebrated yesterday? Instead of Thanksgiving, they celebrated oh god, un Thanksgiving, honoring the indigenous resistance. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. The, yeah. These people are are retarded. I mean, I just want to know, you know, where in the world are the original indigenous people still living in the area where this all began? I mean, all of Europe, you're all screwed, man. You think America's bad? This is well, uh, this is a this is the world. This is what has always happened. Peoples get conquered by other peoples. I I, I can tell you where uh, a couple of Democrat senators want people to live, and that is uh, in the Midwest on the taxpayer dole. Uh, if if I say the words Booker Warren Gillibrand, what 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 comes to mind? Booker, the Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, what do I forget, forget Gillibrand first? Kristen Gillibrand, uh, and it seems like probably the the worst ever uh, fuck Mary kill setup. Yeah, more like impeach, recall, indict. But <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from there. Is that a new, is that the new game? That, impeach, that's recall. the game that I want to play with with Congress people, but. <laughs> I like your game uh, better. Yeah, they. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm generally against killing, uh, but I, I I'm definitely <laughs> against the other two with any of these people. Um, the three of them, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, and Kristen Gillibrand, have come up with the Justice for Black Farmers Act, uh, which they are very very excited at the prospect of a. Uh, you know, of uh, of uh, President Biden passing this one because they they knew that they couldn't get it by Trump. Um, this one the intent is to spend eight billion dollars a year of taxpayer money to go out and buy up farmland and then grant it to new and existing black farmers. Uh, they also want to use taxpayer money to fund agriculture focused historically black colleges and fact taxpayer money to fund nonprofits which focus on black agriculture so handouts but uh, I, racist handouts oh well of course because we need more racism to make racism better but what are do you have any stats on what percentage of farmers in the united states are black at this point 
I don't. Um, I'm guessing it's low. No, I'm I'm guessing low. I I don't think, I don't honestly think it's that low. Uh, You go, you go places like the South, uh, I would bet that there's actually quite a few. Intriguing. Um, I I don't have information on that. What I do know is uh, this is reparations in a particular sector uh, where the taxpayers are going to spend money so that we can hand it to people based on their skin color. Um, that is objectively racism right there. And I really don't need to say any more, but I went ahead and read part of their bill, which by the way, 80 fucking pages. I wasn't going to read the whole thing to this morning. Um, but, um, they, they list a couple of, of definitions. One is, uh, you know, they, they reference a socially disadvantaged group a lot which is, quote, a group whose members have been subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of their identity as members of a group without regard to their individual qualities. Give me my money. You want your money? I'm being subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of my identity. As as somebody who is being discriminated against by one of the major parties in the country because of my skin color, I, I want my money. Uh. The the other uh, definition that I pulled out was the a, an eligible black individual is somebody who is born in the United States, 21 years of age, has at least one parent of African ancestry and has previously identified as black or African-American. Well, wait, identified if, as or are actually identified as. Oh, well, that's different. So, All farmers so, can get in on this. Yes, because every human has at least one parent of African ancestry. That's where humans came from. And so if you identify as black, hey, free money, free farmland. I, I don't know. Everything about this is completely disgusting to me because it, it, it shows that the, the people pushing critical race theory, the people pushing the systemic racism, they are in fact the number one example of widespread racism in the country. I don't think that this bill passes constitutional muster, not even a little bit. Uh, it, it be, you know, especially the, the handouts, the, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it violates the 14th amendment with, with picking people based on race. But this is how the Democrat party thinks. Uh, and I, I don't like to stereotype entire groups of people, but these are three Democrat senators. These are people who are pretty high up in the party. The, these, if these people don't represent what the Democrats want, I don't know who does. And what they want is to take taxpayer money and hand it to people based on their skin color. If I do not even, I, I don't understand how anybody who claims to be anti-racist can even remotely support this party because this is what you you want racism. This is racism. Yeah, I don't get it. No, it is. Well, that's the answer is more racism. This is why we have Kamala Harris as vice president. The only reason is her race and her gender. If those two things. Well, yes, the the vice president is Mike Pence. Well, that's true. We will just letting I keep having to remind people of that. This is why we most likely will have Kamala Harris as vice president come January. Well, she seems to think so. Yeah. And there's some really weird stuff going on about the uh, there's a lot of the election. The have gone to the courts, which is some interesting things, some interesting hearings. There's a lot of interesting theories. I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to stand by the prediction I made back in April. Trump by a landslide. 
Do you think so? You think this is going to be overturned? I'm, I'm standing by it. I mean, it's still possible. There's no question about it. What do you it. mean overturned? Nothing's certified yet. No, I know. But I, for ignore, what the- ignore the retards in the media who wanted to call <laughs> everything before any votes were counted. The, nothing is certified yet. The Electoral College hasn't voted. Trump by a landslide. That's still where I'm standing. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like uh, the latest data on the farms, there's about 2 million farms and ranches in the United States as of the last census information, which this looks even uh, 2017. So obviously something different than the the normal census, because that's what only every 10 years. But uh, from what I can kind of figure out, only like 33,000 are uh, black owned. So, I mean, there's it's it's a, it's a you know not a lot and well, I, it, well, uh, just the phrase black owned well i mean raises I, some questions about yeah okay about the statistic but yeah yeah i understand but i i just don't know how many people are sitting around going hey you know what i'd really love a subsidy so i can get into farming oh i'd love a subsidy so i could get into farming really you want to have yeah, Demrose yeah, farm well, i mean not, give give me Give me a hundred acres of prime farmland. I will flip that in an instant. <laughs> no, work the land, dusk till dawn, backbreaking work. Oh, oh, if you think there's anything in this Justice for Black Farmers Act which says they have to work the land, that that would be the <laughs> no. Th- see, that would be unfair. Is putting restrictions on on poor black people Making who them just work? want to take their government dole and a, no, it I. I I would be surprised if there's anything in this thing that says they have to to work the land. I would bet that, and and again, I haven't read it, so you know, speculating here. But I would bet that it just wants to hand it to them, and it, you know, it might say you you can't do anything with it for two years, but farm. But um, if you want to take this thing and sit on it and then flip it for a huge profit later. I bet you could. So this is like all the money that Obama put into uh, wind power and solar power and all this. And then the companies all went bankrupt. You got a lot oh, of money. No, no, that money's gone. This is new tax money that's being stolen from the middle class. Right. But it's going to be this is just the else. new scam. Rather than giving it to wind and solar energy, we're giving it to new black farmers. Yeah. Just just hand it to people who fit your your definition of. Of the proper skin color. Yes. Yes. The people that need extra help. I mean, that if really, and I'm not black, so I maybe shouldn't even comment on this, but if somebody was making comments, you like, can claim to be, I, I could, believe you, I could, uh, I could identify as the, the concept that people are out there like, you know what? You're poor group of people. You're so bad at everything that you need a handout in order to be successful. Cause if you just were to go out and compete as who you are, I mean, that's just not fair expecting you to compete. It's like that, that is but, the most patronizing attitude. Yes. And racist and patronizing and just overall ignorant to have that kind of a viewpoint. But that is the viewpoint of the left. We need to do this in order to solve the problem. It's like, no, the problem has been solved, but they don't want to see that. They need new problems to solve. That's the problem with the left. They need yes. new problems to solve. And now, let me ask you this. Do you feel well, like I'm yelling at you? Really good at, fortunately, they're really good at creating new problems to solve. So, I mean, it's a self-perpetuating machine. True. Now, do you feel that throughout Grumpy Old Ben's, I just yell the whole episode because that's what CSB yeah. said the other day? Yes, totally. Okay. Well, as long as you agree, then you and CSB 
I'm like, no, this is just called being passionate and talking. I'm like, I mean, you're you're yelling right now. You are screaming at me like I'm I'm feeling personally attacked. In fact, my fragile feelings are being broken right now because your tone of voice is full of microaggressions. You piece of racist. Uh, oh, what? You have more than one feeling. No. Okay. <laughs> like that. I try not even to have that many. It's it's dangerous. That seemed to be over exaggerating that a little. I, I don't know. Uh, I. Using a radio voice could be considered yelling, and maybe that's what CSB is picking up on. Oh, I said it's just speaking with purpose and trying to enunciate he considers yelling. I'm like, no, there's a big difference, CSB. This is just talking. This is yelling. See, this is talking. This is yelling. They're two totally different things. I did. They sound exactly the same because (laughs) your compressor is that good. Yes, I know. That's the beauty of it. Unlike uh, who are these podcasts? I hear they don't do any compression whatsoever. For their life oh my show. gosh i you don't even get me into that dude needs a compressor more than anybody i've ever heard in my life yes uh and it's well it's it's sad because there's a lot of these podcasts that are even uh the one i've been listening to a lot are the two guys from scrubs i think i mentioned it before zach braff and daniel faizan the guys that play turk and uh, jd on scrubs they're doing a podcast and it's iheart radio funding it and they even have like a third person that is you know not really their moderator but i'm guessing this is the person that you know, records and then does all the back end work because, you know, those guys aren't doing it and it still sounds like crap. I'm like, you come on. You, all you need is the right audio plugins to level out the voices and do all this stuff. But even professional podcasts can't do that, which is why um, we stand head and shoulders above the rest, because we actually try to get our podcast sounding as good as possible. Well, you you do. I just sit here and rant into a microphone. <laughs> you just sit here and show up. But with admittedly it is it is the microphone that you recommended and it seems to work out pretty well so yeah well a dynamic microphone works and being in a room with the you know the least amount of uh stray noises and you try to keep the reverb to a minimum and all that and you make sure to keep plenty of cats in the room to absorb stray sounds yeah yeah the cats do absorb the sounds unless you step on one and then you may get some extraneous noises but uh yeah (laughs) but that's just content yeah that is just content i mean joe biden puts out content he had a thanksgiving day address and uh he had about a thousand viewers a thousand watching live a thousand wow that's almost as many people as legitimately voted for him (laughs) he probably probably yeah i mean just put that in into perspective the the no agenda show just that little podcast you know on a good day Two thousand twenty five hundred people live and then hundreds of thousands. Those are just the people listening live. Yeah. Yeah. And this I mean, I think this was people watching live, to be fair, when Joe popped on. um, But a thousand only, Joe. I mean, but we're to believe that Joe Biden got more votes than any president in the history of the United States. Let's remember that. Admittedly, YouTube is kind of a failing platform. Nobody goes there. I don't know if it was on YouTube, to be fair. Oh, but I, I just know about it. Because okay, uh, I want YouTube to fail. That's just my fever dream. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm getting this data directly from Donald J. Trump and his Twitter account report. Oh, Biden, yeah, he's reliable. <laughs> he is. Uh, Biden's Thanksgiving Day address gets just a thousand views online. A record low. Observers say a candidate with 80 million votes would get way more viewers. Numbers don't lie or add up like, hey, he's got a point. Um. Uh, that is a point. Yes, uh, it, I, I wouldn't expect 80 million to tune into the live stream, but 80,000 would not be too remiss. Uh, no, uh, not if they maybe people it. had 
maybe people had too much uh, on their mind, like other things going on that day, like being locked in their houses by unconstitutional lockdown mandates. Well, you think you would be turning to Joe for the answer because he's going to be the leader that's going to lead everybody out of slavery and servitude. Into, into. Oh, into? It, yes. Oh. That's. Oh, yeah. wait. Their, yeah, their platform. Make sure you get oh. that right. Yeah, their their platform takes on a whole different meaning then. Let me No, let me. that it is what they're doing. <laughs> uh, I had I had one more. I'm, I'm going to go back. I had one more story. I kind of wanted to pull uh, in. That is, have you ever been to Portugal? I have not. I hear it's nice. Okay. If, if you were inclined, say, to vacation there during the summer, um, how long do you think you'd stay? If I were to go to someplace like Portugal over the summer for well, any normal vacation, I would say the average person would go for a week to two weeks. Okay. Um, four Germans who were on holiday and, and Germany is a lot closer to Portugal than here, uh, decided that they wanted a two week vacation to Portugal and ended up stuck quarantined in a hotel all summer because <laughs> all one of summer. the four all summer, two and a half months. Because one of the four had a positive PCR test. I mean, the ones that none are 97% inaccurate. Yeah, None of them ever showed any symptoms. One of them had a positive PCR test. Well, they sued in Portuguese court for a writ of habeas corpus, which is also known as the, the Latin word for involuntary confinement. Um, and uh, the Lisbon Appeals Court held that the Azores Regional Health Authority had violated both Portuguese and international law by confining the Germans to the hotel. Uh, some choice information or quotes from the article. Uh, well, not quotes because it was in Portuguese and I don't read that, but uh, they said, quote, only a doctor can diagnose a disease, not a bureaucrat giving a test. Uh, yeah, that seems fair. And uh, quote, in view of current scientific evidence, this test shows itself to be unable to determine beyond reasonable doubt that such positivity corresponds, in fact, to the infection of a person by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, so do you, do you think you're going to read about this one in Facebook? I wonder. No, no, they want to silence that. They don't want people to know these evil so things. The, the court pretty much agreed with the plaintiff's assertion on most counts, including uh, the evidence submitted that PCR tests are uh, 3% accurate at worst. Well, at worst, I mean, it, it, depending on the situation, but um, that they have up to a 97% inaccuracy rate. And therefore, uh, the primary result is that now in Portugal, because this or at least the Lisbon district, whatever the appeals court covers, um, that a positive PCR test is no longer allowable as evidence that somebody has SARS-CoV-2. And I I really wish that that ruling were available elsewhere because I'm not in Portugal, but uh, go people I, I, trying to tear down inaccurate tests. I, anyways, I loved it. Um, then the last thing that was pointed out was that uh, it was at, at, at time of court, they were not able to determine the cycle threshold and the judge blasted them for that too. For not keeping records on what the cycle threshold was on the PCR test when it's, it was administered. Yeah, it's ever changing. That's one of it's, the issues. It's ever changing and it's kind of an important number. Yes, because so. even the people that believe it could be used to detect the virus believe that the number of cycles that they run the test through 
should be down in the 20s range and yeah. they've been as high as the you, 40s. You spin that up to 45 and and my coffee cup has covid. <laughs> well then you should be careful. That coffee. I mean you feel like better. Don't I mean, worry. I don't trust me. I I add alcohol to it all the time. Well that's good and that'll keep everything uh it'll keep everything nice and sanitary but are you feeling better? I mean Monday we thought maybe you were coming down with the rona. You thought you said rona. I <laughs> thought I was coming down with food poisoning and after several days of the shits I'm feeling fine. And your wife was the one that uh, made the food grumpy. And, and she never got sick. Uh, she she's fine, too. Apparently, whatever, whatever we ate was only poisonous to me, which <laughs> admittedly, that meal was one that she prepared. So yes. I should be suspicious, but I'm choosing not to be. Yeah, you, you should be. You should be very suspicious because you never know what you're being given. And as you said, with all these things, if you, you kept keep asking, well, have you seen this on Facebook? Twitter the exact same way. Did you see they blocked as potentially harmful? Now let's just make this very clear because Twitter is trying to be so super is transparent. Twitter is potentially harmful. Yes, Twitter is itself is definitely potentially harmful, but they labeled links to the lawsuit filed by Sidney Powell in the election lawsuit fiasco. Links to the lawsuit, the information on the lawsuit to be potentially harmful and we have yeah, got god, to god do. forbid anybody be informed of what's going on yeah i mean this is like okay you can't even read the other side anymore you can't if you're on if you're on twitter the concept for them is the only speech allowed is shit that agrees with us and that is a very bad place to be i mean how do you and, even and deal twitter, with that twitter is a very bad place to be you know how i deal with it yeah you just don't use it but every, uh, yeah. every one of these platforms, that's why it's like, I don't feel like there's a good alternative to it. I mean, there's no agenda social. That's about as good as I think I'm going to find. There's a lot of people with this stuff, like they're moving to Parler, they're moving to Gab, or they're moving to MeWe, or all these things that seem like the social network kind of of the week that's going to be free speech. But we know what's already it, happening it, with these, which is all the app stores are going to block them. So it's going to really impede the growth of anything that wants to allow you to have freedom of speech. Well, they, the, the app stores is a completely different issue. And, and I, I feel like, you know, that, that is a gatekeeper thing that, but uh, every single one of the platforms you mentioned, I was, I was running through my head because of course I only think about negative things. Uh, I was running through my head at the various complaints about parlor, the various complaints about gab, the complaints about no agenda, social, which uh, I mean, I'm the one who complains about it, but uh, every one of these has its issues. Uh, the very first and foremost, and this was true even a couple of years ago when these these platforms were not openly censoring everything is never get all of your news from one source. And in Twitter's no different. Parlor is no different. Get get a mix of of news. Go, you know, do do web searches, do get your social media, get, unfortunately, just about every platform is trying to shape your thoughts these days. And it's particularly difficult to find anywhere that's going to tell you the full story, but get a mix and think about it for yourself and, and laugh at people who put up headlines. Here's how to think because (laughs) that's the, Nobody should be telling you how to think what they should be doing is providing you the information that you can use to think about it yourself. Yeah, that should Unless, be a red flag. You wanna, and if you want to get all of your news from grumpy old Ben's, then 
Well, that's a terrible fucking idea, but I'll tell you how to think if you'd like. That's an extra service, though. Like, you, you it, have, it, yeah. I mean, for you it's, to give somebody that personal idea of what they should think, I mean, they have to reach out to you at Ryan or Grumpy Old Ben's, ask the question. Well, I, don't have, I don't have to personalize it. I mean, my, my general advice is that Sir Bemrose is always right and you should always just agree with whatever I say. And if you do that, nothing possibly can go bad that you know of. No, nothing can go bad. Just like there was a uh, a life hacker article, and and they're much better than TechCrunch. I'll I'll give you that when it comes to the uh, to the woke. Doesn't take much. Yeah, they're getting there. I have a TechCrunch article that I pulled, and I'm like, oh, I'm, and then I'm like, maybe I could pull something here that it won't be totally political because it was about Facebook and Apple sparring over pi- pri- uh, privacy. Um. Well, I'll have to read you the beginning of that article. I, 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 okay, I want to hear it. <laughs> but first, Lifehacker is not where I go for unbiased information. I'll tell you that. No, no, that's true. But this is the Lifehacker article was uh, from a couple of days ago. What parents need to know about Ubo, the Tinder for teens. Okay, first of all, if something's being <laughs> called the Tinder for teens, I think that oh tells you gosh. what you need to know about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay. Um, what you need to uh, know about the Tinder for teens. So, so I mean, at, at what point does does Pedogate and, and or Pizzagate and Q come into this story? I want to know immediately because it's. <laughs> uh, I was recently introduced to Ubo. This woman says that writes for Lifehacker, uh, Megan Moravik Walbert. I mean, good long name there. Um, the Twitter, the Tinder for teenagers. The app enables teenagers or adults pretending to be them. To find others with similar interests and chat through private messaging or via public live streams. I mean, again, I think anybody listening to this show knows the problem with this and every social media app, which is why it's hilarious to see places like, you know, Lifehacker and TechCrunch really warning you about things like Parler and Gab because of their dangerous content, ignoring the fact that they love Facebook and uh, the Instagram and the Twitters. And it's like the content is the same on every damn one of them. When it comes to your kids, there's things that they're going to be exposed there, to. There, there are creeps out there. Yeah. And I, do you mind if I take a moment and, and rant a little bit about the, just the phrase dangerous content? Dangerous content. Is this going to be? It, I wish I had. A, I wish I had a Carolyn Blaney all uh, you, ready you wish, to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you wish you were recording this because this is. Oh, wait. Well, it's a Bemrose rant. I was supposed oh, to record this. It, uh, it's probably best that you don't, especially how, given how many people are are donating. But that's a different thing. Yeah, and uh, um, Sir Omaha said, "Just one moment." <laughs> I mean, yeah, he knows too. <laughs> These things usually take longer than one moment. So if anybody has a stopwatch, no, no, I, I, it's it's one moment and then another moment and then another one, and I string a bunch of them together. And oh, I need that. I get uh, it. it the, the, the dangerous content. What? One of the reasons why we are experiencing the crisis of retardation in youth in this country is because somebody somewhere back in the 90s or or so thereabouts decided that the absolute best way to raise kids was to shield them from everything in the world that could ever possibly harm them. And we put all of our kids in this mental ideological bubble where they were never introduced to any thought or any concept 
that could challenge anything that they ever had in their heads. And now they're going out into the real world where it's a whole lot harder to shield them. And people in the country, in the world where are bending over backwards, trying to prevent anyone from ever being exposed to anything they disagree with. It's the entire reason why our social media networks have customized algos for everything. And we can't even agree we can't even agree to people on what the right facts are because we're being fed different facts. We're being fed different information. Why? It's all in the name of never being exposed to anything that you might disagree with or anything that might upset you because that would be emotionally damaging. You know what else is emotionally damaging is being released out into a world that does not give a fuck about you and that wants to actively harm you with this weird notion in your head that for some reason, you will be protected from anything. No, the way we should be preparing our kids is not to shield them from everything the real world will ever do. The way to prepare our kids is to expose them in a controlled environment to, hey, look, here's a pedo. This is what they do online. This is how you tell them. And when you see one propositioning you in a dark alley, kick him in the nuts and run. That's how you do it. You expose them in a situation where they're not going to get hurt, but they get access to seeing what the world is like you know this is what a conservative looks like he's not going to agree with you that socialism is good if we did that for people when they were young then they wouldn't be fucking crying at work now that they're out in the workplace yeah that they they got yelled at because they spelled hamster incorrectly i yeah. mean that's the world we have now but the real world as you I mean how, how many moments was that i don't know it was more than one but okay. uh the real world used to stop at the front door of the kid's house. That's the difference here that you didn't have the gateway into it. You're absolutely right. It takes parents being engaged and knowing what their children are doing. And that is, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think 10 times or 100 times or more, more important now that we have the Internet, because you don't know who your children are talking to. You don't know what they're doing online, and there are a lot of creeps online. There's no question about it. When we were growing up, there was no way for that content to get into us. You know, our parents knew what was going on. I mean, when the beginning of the the modems and the chat boards and stuff like that, yeah, my parents didn't know what I was doing once I was on there, but damn it, because it was the one phone line that going into the house, they knew if you were on the uh, computer or not. And there was ways to monitor things that were going on, and there were no issues. I mean, if there were, I certainly didn't run into them like you have now where, I mean, then it was only the really, uh, you know, the techies of the techie on there. Not to say that the, you know, the techies of the techie can be a little bit uh, weird, Bill Gates. But the reality is now that parents just give their kids a device and walk away and never explain to them like, well, you know, people on social media, if you have a kid that's, you know, 12 years old. And you give them a phone and you help them sign up for whatever social media account and you don't explain to them like, you know, the person that's going to message you and be like, hey, I want to be friends. I'm also 12 years old may not be. And that's an important bit of the, uh, you know, the bullshit meter that maybe kids just aren't getting because they were told everybody gets a trophy and they're special and nothing bad's ever going to happen to them as long as they pray down to the altar of communism or whatever it is. And this concept that some social medias are good and 
some are bad. It's like, no, they're all bad. I mean, if you don't want your kid on Parlor or Gab, you certainly don't want them on the Tinder for teenagers. You certainly don't want them on Instagram. And you can't just use the excuse like, oh, well, all their friends are on it. So when all their friends get picked up by the pedo van, they will, too. At least that's good. They can all be together and, uh, you know, maybe sold to somebody in Saudi Arabia, whatever the uh, wherever the going market is now for young kids. Joe Biden's house, basement, something like that. I don't know, allegedly, but parents just don't pay any attention. And that is an issue. And it certainly doesn't help that you have things like, you know, life hacker with their oh things parents need to know. It's like, you know what parents need to know? The Internet is not for kids. And for whatever reason, or, they don't want to get or, that. or the Internet is full of life lessons and you need to <laughs> to pick and choose them slowly. Yeah, the Internet is definitely filled with life lessons. And um, I think I was. Uh, in story time, uh, I was maybe 14 or 15 when I remember uh, you You were talking about our, our parents back in the day didn't have to worry about it. I, I, I don't know what your parents were, but in my household, I was the one who knew how to use a computer because my parents were boomers who'd never seen a computer before. And it took almost no time at all for, you know, they could limit the amount of time I was on the computer. But what they couldn't do was limit what I was doing on the computer for the simple fact they had no idea. Now, that said, they also were able to unplug it. <laughs> so, right. Uh, I mean, and, and there was a lot less available out there. I, we didn't have social media networks. What we had was was Usenet. Hey, um, I didn't even have that remember, to begin with. I, I was probably 14 or 15. I remember when I came downstairs from my dad and I said, uh, hey, I, I was I was downloading emails and I got I saw this really cool opportunity. and uh, you know, what they say is that if if you just send a dollar to each of the names at the top of the list and then put your name on the bottom of the list and send it to as many people as possible, then eventually people are going to start sending you a dollar and <laughs> I could make a lot of money with this. And my dad took this thing, which I had printed out on our dot matrix printer because I was so excited at this amazing opportunity that I'd found. And my dad sits down with me and says, okay, these people are trying to scam you. Let me tell you something about humans. And he didn't put it that way, but it was, it was an important life lesson. And as much as, you know, Bemlet knows, I will give my dad shit about everything that he ever did for parenting. Cause of course, complaining is what I do. Um, that was really a point where it was. It was my father going, okay, I, I understand that you're seeing this and I understand that it's very persuasive because it's intended to be, but let me explain to you what's going on. And I listened and I realized, wow, that's not actually a great deal. And maybe, just maybe, um, I shouldn't do it. Yeah, I go back 1982, I think, is when I got my TRS-80 color computer. I just looked it up and it said at the time, they sold for uh, 399 bucks, which is equivalent to about 1200 bucks today, which is really expensive when you consider uh, what you could buy for 1200 bucks today. Although, uh, I mean, Nick the Rat. Oh, my God. I was like, OK, does anybody have a good recommendation for a relatively cheap green screen that works decently well? You know, if I want to do a couple little videos and pull the background out and uh, Nick's like, well, just use the NVIDIA. You know, their software doesn't even need a green screen. Try this out. And I looked the software up and I'm looking at the video cards that support this. And I'm like, 
Nick, what video card do you use? And he sent me the model and it's like a $1,200 video card. <laughs> and I'm like, you yeah. know, that is a little bit more than I have into my video card by like four times. I, I'd rather use a physical green screen, though. Have yeah. you ever seen uh, uh, have you ever been on one of those Skype calls where they have the auto blurring background? And yes, it's freaking awful whenever anything walks through the background and the thing just resizes and you get two frames of a perfect image of the background and then it tries to blur again it, yes. it, this is not a safety measure no I, I just wanted something simple take the background out mess around with stuff and uh, i mean i know yeah, you can put, do it put, with put in the background of a maui or something right i mean that is you know kind of fun and the technology to do that has gotten way better to where I mean, you don't need a perfect green screen anymore. You just need something that's kind of close. And as long as the lighting isn't totally screwed up, it works. You know, or you just have to have a video card that costs more than my first car. And that would uh, that would do the same thing, I guess. But we had, you know, the article. So, yeah. Oh, go on. We had the article on the Life Hacker. I just wanted to read to you what I got on TechCrunch. I mean, after you told me specifically never to go to TechCrunch again. <laughs> and I'm just. That, no, that that, by the way. That is probably the best life hack that I recommended from the last show. <laughs> Never go to TechCrunch. You're right. Because I clicked on the thing that I wanted to read about what Apple and Facebook were sparring over. But before it even gets to that, there is uh, there's four paragraphs above the actual article. And what you get is. Trump's election denialism saw him retaliate in a way that isn't just putting the remainder of his presidency in jeopardy. It's already putting the next administration in harm's way. I'm like, so win win. Yeah. What does this have to do, though, with <laughs> Apple and Facebook sparring over privacy? <laughs> I, when you have TDS, everything has to do with. That's true. That's uh, it, true. It yeah. says uh, it, in a stunning display of retaliation, a stunning display of retaliation. Trump fired CISA director Chris Krebs last week after declaring there was, quote, no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. A direct contradiction to the conspiracy fuel fever dreams of the president who repeatedly claimed without evidence that the election had been hijacked by the Democrats. See, that's yelling CSB. I mean, but- I, <laughs> I was going to pop in and start interrupting, explaining how every you know, every time that they used something that was biased and emotionally charged. And then I realized that that there really aren't very many words in what you just said that aren't. Yes. I mean, that's all it is. That is absolutely all it is. And did you did you accidentally like concatenate two articles or something? It sounds like they put an article above the article. That's kind of what they did. I mean, this is all I mean, it says it's just I don't know if this extra crunch is kind of like a rundown or something because it's like, you know, decrypted Apple and Facebook's privacy feud. Twitter hires Mudge and then Mysterious Zero Days. So before I could actually read about any of those, I had to get the Trump. Maybe this is just part of TechCrunch now where there's a Trump tirade before you get to what you were actually looking for. Just so, I mean, people can't you know bypass that. It's kind of like, you know, we don't want people to bypass those ads. If you have a podcast that has ads at the beginning, you don't want people to just be able to fast forward those. We have to throw them in someplace that you make sure you hear it. And See, uh, the, the final step is that you just stop bothering to post any stories that aren't your Trump tirades. And then you become the New York Times. Yes, exactly. But once they finally get down to the article was Apple and Facebook back in the ring fighting over which company is a bigger existential threat to privacy. And the only interesting thing is, again, and we may have talked about this. I don't remember, but that Apple is launching a new anti-tracking feature next year 
which is going to give anybody the option using an iDevice or your iPhone or iPad, the ability to opt out of in-app tracking, which if we did talk about this, we must have you know glossed over because I don't remember speaking about this directly. But this is very interesting if you're going to get a pop up once this update comes in the Apple. I'm guessing this will be in their phone and tablet operating system that gives you a, a choice that, you know, you're going to answer this. Yes or no. Do you want to be tracked? on in with the uh, is anybody gonna say yes to that question that that was the one thing that uh you know that the article got right it's like why would anybody opt into that so this is going to really set the whole advertising ecosystem on its head and this to me seems like a pissing contest though because apple burnt well knows they're in control yeah yeah, and 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 I mean, the, you you phrased the question of is Apple or Facebook worse for privacy or something like that, and and far be it from me to ever say anything nice about Apple, but holy shit, how is that even a comparison? Apple sells you products; that's their business model. Um, Facebook sells you; that's their business model. How how is there even a question? Yes, that is one thing pointed out in the article is that Facebook made. Do you want to guess? How much of their global revenue last year was from advertising? All of it. Well, over 98%. So, I mean, there is about one point something percent that Facebook made that wasn't from advertising. I was going to say, did somebody, did one of their employees find a fiver on the street? Because that's the only (laughs) way I can think of that Facebook would make any money that wasn't from advertising. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Are there any paid Facebook services? I mean, like there has to be something. You know, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't compute. No, because that's what their whole business is based upon. So Apple being the fact that although they make a lot of money in their advertising, to be fair, this isn't affecting Apple's advertising to you. This is allowing you to turn off third party apps advertising. That doesn't say it's going to let you turn off Apple advertising, which no, they couldn't be totally good. Well, and this also makes Apple the all powerful gatekeeper. So. It's going to be an interesting thing to figure out what this is really about, because for everybody that is making one of these apps and we know that there's a lot of apps that work on a different you know, version of the value for value model that we use here on the podcast, which is they give you the app for free and then hope that they can serve you ads so they can make their money back. If that option that, goes not, away, that's not value for value. That's advertising. Well, but they're giving you value and you're paying them back by watching the ads. And some of the these apps will give you the opportunity to give them a buck or two and get rid of the ads. You know, I understand there's they, they either way, they're trying to take something back. In this case, yeah. if the advertising model totally breaks down to whereas if you're a small app developer and you can no longer put any kind of ads, even if they're decent, non scammy ads, but you can't do any advertising whatsoever. That is going to kill a lot of the smaller app developers, isn't it? It, it, Yeah, until they discover a a new model that that works. Or just go to a different platform, I I guess. I'm sorry. Don't don't look to me as a well of sympathy for people (laughs) who decide to sell your attention to the highest bidder. Yeah, but as long as people are aware of it, you know, I'm I'm totally fine with that. I mean, there's there have been programs where it's like, hey, do you want to have ads or do you want to pay us a couple of bucks? And as long as that's upfront about it, I mean, that's a fair 
business model. Now yeah. it's different. If I, and I, I would too. Uh, I, the, the, if the couple of bucks is worth it, I would pay. I would pay. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm a weird freak. I, I will pay for software that is upfront and is like, yeah, uh, give, give me a couple bucks and I'll, I mean, I won't do it for an app because buck apps, but that's because it's an app, not because it's paid software. You know, software and apps are the same thing, right? No, I, I'm referring to the kind of apps that come from an app store, which is controlled by a gatekeeper. And, and also the ones that use the Facebook SDK to send all of your private. Yeah, you know what? That, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I know. I was waiting for you to go down and I was going to be like, no, kill the no. rabbit. Kill the rabbit. <laughs> Got to get down the rabbit hole if you want to kill the rabbit. You know what I mean? I, I do. So, yeah, um, I, I have a story on sling boxes. They're dying. Yes. Um, and actually, that's not a great thing. Um, you know what the sling box is? Yes. Like, this is something that's been around forever. It seems this was one of the first video. 2007. Moving. Wow. So, wow. So 13 years. And it was a pretty good run because the concept then was you didn't have Netflix. You didn't have all these streaming services, but you had a DVR at home, man. And if you wanted to watch your DVR content elsewhere, you bought a sling box. Yeah. And, and the whole, the whole point was, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised that this is, it was totally bound legal. Uh, and it certainly, they survived a number of court cases. Uh, but it was place shifting for your video feed for your cable. Right. Um, you know, cable, cable TV has had agreements all over the place and, and, and in particular TV networks have had these agreements all over the place that says we charge this amount for people in this geographical area and this amount for people in this geographical area. And the sling box was a, a device that never sold all that well, despite how awesome it was. Uh, it was a device that would let you put it in your house near your cable box and it would send your video signal across the internet. And they had a bunch of checks in place so that you didn't to make sure you didn't multicast it to make sure there wasn't more than one person watching. Cause God forbid that you, uh, uh, over the air broadcast would be duplicated. Um, they, they had a bunch of checks to make sure you, but the effect was you could be anywhere on the internet and watch your cable box at home. It, it was an amazing idea. And, and, but for, uh, draconian copyright regimes, um, Things like that would have caught on. Uh, a, a DVR is another piece of technology, very similar to that, where uh, it just does time shifting instead of place shifting. But in all cases, uh, you know the the networks have seventy five years of pushing people into a, appointment viewing of television, where you have to be in this place at this time if you're going to watch this content. And what people have always wanted was. No, I want to watch the content when I want to watch it, where I want to watch it on whatever device I want to watch it. That's in fact that the, um, tagline for the cord killers show, which is a show I particularly like. You should check that out. If you're into, into streaming options, um, the, the sling box was amazing at that. And, uh, I think they were founded in 07 and very shortly thereafter, uh, dish bought them and dish operated it for quite a while. Well, the story here is um, Dish has stopped selling them and has announced that 2022, they are going to shut the servers offline, which will effectively brick all of the sling boxes out there. And that's the issue with planned obsolescence, isn't it? 
pretty much that's pretty much the problem that I point out. Now, this is a service that would have been difficult to do without central servers, although I think it would be possible with direct casting. But at the same time, that would it would have been harder if if you didn't have central servers, it would have been harder to try to enforce your copyrights, which is why that might not have happened. But the idea that you can take any kind of service that relies on somebody else keeping up a server indefinitely, whether that service be a, a, a social network or a TV device or a video game, if its operation relies on a cloud server somewhere, then there will come a time when it's shut off. Yes, and it will stop working. So that cool little hardware box isn't just streaming that directly to you. Now, if it was, that'd be great because then you could keep running your own server. It'd be nice if there was a way to, uh, for the people that still want to continue doing the basics, just running the, because you're right, all this is basically doing is taking a feed from your video at home, whether it be your DVR or whatever the source is, and digitizing that and streaming it, which isn't that hard to do at this point if you know what you're doing. There's a bunch of devices that'll let you do it, but this gave you that remote control so you could, you know, if you wanted to change the channel or what was on the television, you know, that makes it, uh, yeah. you know, and having it on demand. But this is the issue when and these. The, uh, the, the uh, I was going to say, I'm sorry, the article, uh, neither the article nor Dish's uh, press release uh, addressed this. But one of the important questions that was asked, and I think we all know the answer was, are we going to be able to set up our own servers to allow this to continue working? And the answer was no. The answer is almost certainly, of course not, because the technical capabilities of said servers would blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course. Uh, now, there we've seen this happen with video games a number of times. There's a number of video games that that have thriving online communities, but the game gets to be five, six, seven years old and the company who developed it doesn't want to run the servers anymore. And the people who are in the community will try to reverse engineer the protocol so they can set up their own servers. And that's been ha- been done with a number of games. And there have been courts who ruled that it, it is, in fact, legal if a company abandons their game for, you know, they, then they can't sue people for copyright infringement for deconstructing this and building their own custom servers. So maybe somebody will come up with this for Slingbox. But I, I don't know. It's it's an amazing technology that does some really cool stuff. And it's sad to see it go, I guess, is where I'm coming from with this. Yeah. And it makes sense when it comes to the games, because you're not buying this with the knowledge like, hey, in one year, five years, 10 years, the game's going to shut off. And that is the problem with digital content. We're seeing that now. Even uh, there was an article not too long ago with Amazon saying, well, yeah, you bought this uh, digital content on the Amazon store and it disappears. Well, you know, that's you're not really buying the material you're just buying a license which could go away at some point which is like no i mean yeah. you're not understanding the difference between buying and renting i guess at that point well and, and any anything like i've had this conversation with video games where people who will you know we, we talk about uh do you get your games from from good old games or do you get them from steam or do you get a, where where do you get video games these days and and most of the people i talk to are like, oh, Steam all the way, because that way they can manage the library. Well, that might be true. But if Steam decides in their sole decision, if if they decide that you're a cheater or they decide that you you missed a payment or or anything, 
um, they can just flip a switch and shut down your account. And now every single executable on your hard drive that used to launch a game will ping out to Steam servers and go, oh, sorry, uh, you don't have authorization and refuse to launch. Um, I'll go ahead and go to the game that, that has no DR, the, the store that has no DRM. Thanks very much. Well, yeah, but it, you don't need that anymore. You're going to be getting a social score. That's going to be rolling over into your days, games. I'm just saying the, the days of digital libraries are very, very convenient right up until you realize that what you're giving is you're giving the keys to shut your entire library off to yeah. some corporation that has absolutely no reason to give a fuck about you. Right. Yeah. If you buy all of your television series and all of your movies on, you know, whether it's Apple TV, whether it's Amazon. Do you know what happens when your internet goes down for a week? You know how you can enjoy that content? You can't. You, you don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is where yeah. all the DVDs locally. that I bought back in 03 still run, even if my internet is out. Yeah. Having this stuff locally, there's something to be said. I mean, if I actually were, were to care enough to buy another laser displayer that works, I've got laser discs back from the 80s or early 90s, whenever that was, that would still Jesus. play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty. So, Beta, come on. Digital digital content pitfalls. I guess that's the, the lesson here. Yeah. Always keep a local copy, which is why the courts ruled, as we talked about, I think, in the last episode about the YouTube DL thing, which is there's a, there's a reasonable thing to want a local copy of online content. And we talked about the only reason this is hurting anybody when it comes to a content creator, it's because of the fact that they can no longer decide to show ads, you know, before you watch this thing or interrupt you. I mean, that's oh, where no yes. the humanity, which is where YouTube's gotten worse lately. I don't usually watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, but I realized that I had gone, you know, probably uh, maybe a year or more without watching any of Brian Brushwood's uh, Modern Rogue. And he's on the uh, the show you just mentioned, which is Cord Killers. And I went to a YouTube to watch some. And yeah, I understand. I'm always, you know, understanding that they will run ads before some of these episodes. And that's fine. I mean, I run all of the ad blockers and usually get around that. But if not, they're now running them in the video. So, it, you know, it plays for like five minutes and then like, clicks over to an ad and they'll be like oh god is, is this the the ads that the content maker inserted because there's a no. lot of them where they like click or or are they interrupting yes interrupting ads that you oh, that's awful yes yeah they're they're fucking up their content yeah because youtube has they're, figured out they're that fucking they're, up their brand is what they're doing yeah well this is what happens when you're not making enough money to to run the beast and i think this is what's happening to youtube because we've talked about how many hours of youtube content is uploaded every minute uh, sooner or later, those hard drives and uh, all the space to hold all the stuff and all the bandwidth starts costing real money. And if they can't pull this in on the ads, then um, YouTube is not too big to fail. I, if only I can, I can see a time where they uh, where they crash and burn. Yeah, I I, I can only hope. I guess I got to step away a moment. Yes, but uh, this is the issue. When it comes to things like all of these free services, it's nice for everybody to think that it's a perfect world and free is free and you can just put all of your content up online and somebody else is going to foot the bill. But the reality is that there are costs involved. And if nobody is, uh, you know, if that content's not making them money, Spotify, I think, is going to see this with the Rogan thing. 
the concept that Spotify believes that they could just force people to sign up for an account and enough people are going to watch or listen to Joe Rogan on their platform to make the advertising be able to pay that off. I think that is going to be a big fail. And if Spotify does have to go to the point of only letting paid people watch or listen to Rogan, I think that's even a bigger problem. But this is what happens when you run out of money and you have no other option to to generate the funds because you got to do something. But what you're going to end up deciding to do is not going to make the people that want to consume the content happy. And this is where the value for value model works to a a certain level, which is you never have to worry about that issue. Because once somebody gives a guy like Joe Rogan, once you give them a contract and say, hey, we're guaranteeing you X amount of million dollars a year without understanding how you were going to pay for that, that is uh, that's an interesting thing because Rogan doing it on his own is great. Because you can pay your own bandwidth bills, which is how no agenda does it. You can, you know, if you want to have your YouTube videos up, sure, you can let YouTube monetize those and run ads and that's fine. Or you can go another way and just host everything yourself. But you're never in the position, which is, hey, you know, uh, this Bemrose guy, his contract's a million dollars a year. And let's see, so far we've raised like, oh, yeah, like $3. Um, How is this going to be paid? I think. I think my favorite insight on on the Rogan situation was uh, something that Adam Curry mentioned on Podcasting 2.0, where uh, he he pointed out that um, Spotify might actually, it's a legal gray area, but Spotify might actually be in trouble because now that Rogan has this exclusivity contract, um, it, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for a court to consider him to be a representative of Spotify. And then yes. what he says would, would impact them. Yes, because and, it is now suing. I mean, suing Joe Rogan for something he says is a risk that he's always taken. And, and there's, you know, there's only so far you can get, but suing Spotify for something that Joe Rogan says would be deep pockets indeed. Well, and it's the whole Fox news model, which is, you know, this media matters bull crap where oh we don't like tucker carlson and we don't like sean hannity so we're going to make sure nobody advertises on anything else on the network well spotify might have been chugging along nice and fine i mean they got people like michelle obama man and they might have been able to get advertisers on that but there's now people that can go you know what we really we really like michelle obama but this rogan guy seems like kind of a dick so we're not going to advertise on the michelle obama show or any of your other shows until you get rid of this Rogan guy. And that is a very serious issue when it comes down to, again, freedom of speech. And it comes down from a business standpoint. I don't know if Spotify thought this one through where the people that are funding their service, which is the advertisers for them, could go, yeah, no, we're just not going to advertise on any of your platforms, on any of your programs, because we don't like this one entity. And and that's why another thing that, that I've heard from Adam Curry on podcasting 2.0 is the phrase advertising is censorship. It's true. It is true because then you're beholden to somebody else. And if you're beholden right. to them for your paycheck, then they can. You can't say anything about them. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they can remove uh, that content. Yeah, right. They can remove that money from you, and then where are you? Then your well, your content goes away. You know, at least that is the that is the concept. What you get. This is why we work on the value for value model, and I do have uh, one executive producer to thank. After uh, going out and uh, you know, we sent out an email. To, I, I like experts. Yes. And I sent out an email before the show because I'm like, well, Monday, we just had uh, our, our buddy, John Fletcher of the Hog Story Show, hogstory.net, came in with his monthly donation. And that's all we had on Monday. And I'm like, well, it got to be Friday. And I'm like, we had nobody at the start of the show. Nobody. Not one single donation. I knew this was coming. So I sent out an email this morning. I sent out the uh, the Twitter and, you know, send it out on the bat signal. Like, hey, today's to be a perfect day to be an executive producer on grumpy old Ben's. Cause I don't remember the last show we had nobody. I mean, we're probably going back like uh, six months or longer, I believe. I mean, I'd have to do the work and double check that, but it seems like it's that, been, that sounds like effort. Not, not worth it. Yeah. It seems like it's been uh, a quite a long time and we've been having discussions like, where do we see grumpy old Ben's going? And I'm like, well, you know, I think we do a pretty good product, and I hope the people that are listening are enjoying the content we're providing that is both entertaining, that it educational and letting you know something maybe you didn't know before. And you and I have discussed like, well, you know, this could be a full time gig thing because there's there's two separate types of podcasting. There is doing it on a lark and doing it as a hobby and doing it as a job. Now, normally the people that do it as a lark are the ones, you know, Sir Matthew, he did it on a lark and did three episodes and now has stopped for months and he will start it up at some point again. And that's fine because it's doing it just to have a little bit of fun. And there's shows that only pop an episode out every, you know, six to eight weeks and there's no schedule to it. And that's fine. That's what the, the whole podcasting thing is there for. It's there for everybody. But we are trying to go that other route which is not only keep to a regular release schedule, which almost no podcasts do. If you follow along, even some of the biggest podcasts, you know, skip weeks all the time. And there's days of when they release may change. We've been on a very regular schedule for quite a long time now. And not only that, but we can't even really bank the content because not only do we release regularly, we do regular live shows. Live. Yes. Which makes it harder to put something into the can and try to fake people out like, oh, we did we just did four shows and now we're gonna go take, you know, uh, a vacation and just run the content. So, you know, we'd like to do this thing seriously, but for that to happen, and we're not trying to twist anybody's arms, we're just letting you know the truth. What the value for value model means if you like the show and you want it to stick around and you want us to keep the schedule and all this other stuff. We need people that will help produce the show and we need people that will support the show financially so we can do the work. And we hope people. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, when did you say something about work? Yeah. What, work. I, when did that come in? I mean, you. I know I you know, said but, you were afraid of work, but I mean, the, the more shows we do, the longer your notes for every show I, gets. I, I, I have I have a philosophy about work and that is no pain, no pain. <laughs> no pain. Well, that's for you. But sometimes you actually have to do some preparation. And I think, uh, you know, even though we play things off uh, and the show is definitely more off the cuff, there is a lot of research that's being done. 
And a lot of it is just what we would normally be reading anyway, but rather than just reading I would a story, not be reading it, I, I would not be reading an eight page or 80 page Cory Booker uh, <laughs> legislation. If it wasn't for this show, I'll tell you that much. You read all 80 pages. I, I, I did. I skimmed the 80 pages looking for, for choice quotes to pull out. And I found a couple of them, but no, I, I, I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but I'm just telling you, I wouldn't have even downloaded that bullshit. <laughs> if, if, you are definitely I, you acting know, it, like a professional I, podcaster. I, I, I have to admit, I like Trump's executive orders a lot better because they're usually somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 pages and they get to the fucking point. Oh, see, now that is politics the way it should be. I am tired of these bills that are like, well, here's a bill on Medicaid. And then there's like 86 pages on, you know, farming in North it, Dakota. It, it, 80, oh, no, the 86 pages is the fucking definition section. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you need three lawyers to be able to decipher what anything means. But, uh, you know, I sent out the, uh, the email with, uh, you know, with uh, with pictures of sad kittens, you know, in the tweets and all this. I'm trying to use the Dvorak system and it worked on one of our experts. And it's a big thanks to our buddy, Surly Mofo, for coming in with double nickels on the dime here to save today's show from being the uh, the expert list show. And he included yes, a note. Thank you. That said, if, uh, uh, happy. If we had to do a show with no experts at all, we'd be CNN. And I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> CNN's been doing shows without experts for years. And they just keep going and going and going. I don't I mean, it's all that advertising for, uh, you know, Propecia or whatever the boner pills are. I mean, they're not Nick the Rap boner pills either. So they're not even the good boner pills. So they don't even work. Right. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know how CNN does it, but uh, maybe we should get on CNN. Do you think they give us a show? You think no, they would like our? No, think no, they would like no, our slant? Let's just, let's just cut this off right now before I start retching. Um, but certainly, Mofo says happy tea day. Thankful for your grumpy analysis and tech insight on a reliable schedule. See, the reliable schedule is a big deal. And he says, amazing. Thanks, guys. Certainly, Mofo. No, thank you, Certainly, Mofo, for uh, for making today much better for us rather than uh, just having to go. Yeah, um, yeah, nobody. We've been doing this show now for what a year and a half, and uh, and nobody showed up. Where's the Where's the CSB? Where's CSB? It's, it's the holiday donation. It's, it's just a holiday slump. Yeah, I know, and it happens, and we get it. Today's Black Friday. Everybody's out there spending cash, yeah. getting ready they for gotta, the Christmas. Blow money on a new. Uh, well, I was about to say DVD player. How fucking old am I? <laughs> but <laughs> come on, digitize everything, man. Yeah, it it's it's all. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody buys DVDs anymore. Nobody owns anything. You have to rent all your content. Yeah, buy and I, a new. When go I was, buy a new sling box. Yeah, I know. When I was looking at the uh, the new PCs, that was the one thing. Because the one that we ended up getting the Dell from Costco, it had a, a DVD drive built in. But when I went to, you know, just price things direct from Dell and others. Oh, I mean, Falcon Northwest. Oh my God! If I was a millionaire, I mean, Falcon Northwest make some systems that would just blow your socks off. But the fact that so many of them now are, you know, just it's an option whether you want an optical drive. And it's like, oh, that just feels so weird having a system with no optical drive. But that just shows we're old and still reliant. I, it, it does. I, I still have an optical drive, but that's mostly out of inertia. It's uh, it, it came with the computer like nine years ago and I upgraded <laughs> most of the internals. But I'm like, I keep plugging it in. Well, that's you true know, because okay, they the, don't go the bad. Thing, yeah. 
especially if you don't use them. Yeah. Uh, now, Dame Bemrose has the same computer I did, and it technically still has the optical drive in. Uh, but at some point, she got enough new hard drives that she filled up all of her SATA ports with hard drives <laughs> and ended up disconnecting the optical drive and wanted to watch a DVD the other day. And she looked at it and was like, well, what's the best way to do that? You know what? Forget. And she ended up getting an external USB optical drive to put on top of the computer case because you she has USB ports available. Yeah. Well, which I is, can't say it's wrong. No, it's not. That is the one thing that made switching over to this new machine the easiest because I do store a lot of stuff on external USB three drives and it's like, oh, they're just there. I mean, it's not you don't have to move anything over. It's just there. You know, I unplugged all the old USB cables from the old machine, plugged them all into the new machine. And it's like, wow, everything's just there. The Motu just worked. So that was a thing of beauty as well. Um, You know, there was a lot of programs to install, as we've talked about. But you were right. After about, you know, after about two days, you're like, okay, I think I have 99% of this done. And it's kind of like the system's back up and running where it should be. Uh, which is probably the time I should have probably, you know, ghosted the drive. But uh, no, what fun is that? No, just no fun at all. Backups. Who, who need, <laughs> we don't need no stinking backups. We like data loss. Well, that is, I mean, I didn't realize, I mean, I guess I should have, because this is how the laptops are now with uh, Adam Curry, the podfather of the No Agenda podcast yesterday, getting ready for the live show on Thanksgiving. And he, I get the message in the back room with like, uh, might be late a hard drive crash on the main show machine it's like oh and then to hear that these hard drives can't even be swapped out because they're like soldered into these uh these laptops now just to save that last little bit of space it's like really if the hard drive goes bad you have to get a whole new laptop that sucks that that actually sounds totally apple to me It does, but that's yeah. Microsoft too now because that was the Microsoft I know, Surface, I know. and uh, but yes, yeah, everybody's following through because it's like, well, Microsoft wanting- even even back when I was working there, Microsoft has so desperately wanted to be Apple for twenty years now. I mean, I and, can't blame that Apple has like eighteen billion dollars in the bank or more. What's oh, it up I, to? I understand <laughs> the reason for the envy. I'm just saying Microsoft is no good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the hard trying. drive now, according to Cold Acid in the troll room, is a uh, it's right on the motherboard now so that is that is bizarre i mean i get it everything has to get smaller so, smaller so you just smaller. have to get you just have to get some snips and cut the hard drive out of the motherboard and then slot in and then solder all the connections on the motherboard that you cut i mean the reality is hard. not only do you need like a backup hard drive you need a backup laptop because if the hard drive in the laptop dies the laptop is useless so it's like you can't even be like well i'll just use I'll just plug another drive in and and then I'll what you can't. So good luck with as, that. As a as a an exclusively desktop user, I, I could just mention that laptops are in general useless, but I, I'll go ahead and spare you my sarcasm. No, I, I'm with you because I bought the Dell after my uh, Apple MacBook Pro got to be a decade old. And it's like, OK, this is getting a little less than uh, useful. It's finally slowing down, which, you know, there's something to be said with buying really expensive gear that will last more than two or three years. You know, if you can get 10 years out well, of a laptop, there, there, there's something to be said for having replaceable parts. If I lose a yeah. hard drive, I just open up my case and put a new one in. Yeah. Which was my, if, the MacBook my, pro was like that. I could, I did replace the memory and the hard drive. Now you can't yeah. do that. If my CPU or memory catches fire, I know how to pop it <laughs> off of the motherboard and put a new one in. It's it, not a huge deal. 
Oh, I, I have fire. replaced the video card because, you know, because I got NVIDIA a while back and <laughs> now. Haven't we all been NVIDIA at one point or another? I think every, everybody dumb enough to buy an NVIDIA card gets NVIDIA eventually. Yeah. And I noticed I this, only one. Had one, yeah, this I only one. I had one last thing today. Yeah. This NVIDIA card uh, and on this one. The fans are oh, loud. Yeah. Of course they are. It's, I, try with, with my old one. Uh, you, you go launch a full screen game and uh, that is suddenly you've got a jet engine running right next to your head. <laughs> That's what you need the headphones for. Yeah. Might help. I only had one more thing today, um, and it is uh, a really quick bit of advice for any CEOs out there who want your company to survive 2020. Um, this for especially for anything that that's primarily online or service based. Um, and it is specifically in response to a story from uh, Penguin Random House of Canada. And I don't know if you've heard this one or not. Well, I know Penguins, a, they're a publisher, of course. They are a publisher of books, and uh, they were the ones uh, who control or who have the Canada distribution of Jordan Peterson's new book. Oh, um, now dangerous. you know about Jordan Peterson. He is, of course, a a deplorable racist. If you listen to uh, a lot of the people who seem to control Silicon Valley these days, um, there was a meeting at the Penguin Random House. Uh, they called it a quote emotional town hall. <laughs> I, I think you're you're, you're starting to get where I'm going with this. More like an emotional um, breakdown town hall. I kind of. So one of the quotes that I pulled out of it, uh, quote, he is an icon of hate speech and transphobia, and the fact that he's an icon of white supremacy. I'm not proud to work for a company that publishes him. Um. So my advice to the CEO is uh, that was a call for help. You need to uh, you need to help this person out who says stuff like that and make sure that they don't work for a company that publishes him. My advice for the CEO is that if you publish somebody like Jordan Peterson, you can easily increase your potential long term profits by 15 percent by firing everybody you see in the hallway that has puffy eyes, because <laughs> the story was that. People, the staff at the publisher broke down crying in the office because Penguin Random House was publishing Jordan Peterson's book. You do not need these people in your company. They are fucking up your company. They are destroying your profits. They do anybody who is willing to bring their social justice baggage to work is going to destroy your company from the inside or out, uh, mostly in because they're goals are not compatible with wanting to do business so it in this case it seems pretty easy anybody walking around with with really puffy eyes get rid of that person immediately you are going to improve your company yeah well this is what's going on in the world forget the company this is we have trained a whole new generation of morons to emotionally break down when somebody has ideas that are different than theirs. And it's not even like it's that's because that's because words are violence now. Right. It's not even though the words being violent. I mean, it's not even like we have a difference in political opinion. As we mentioned earlier, again, the millennial that their boss said hamster isn't spelled with the P and she had a breakdown and called her mother and cried. This is the world we're living in today. People can't. You and, want and to talk I, about handling I reality? I still blame the mother on that one, both for answering the call in the first place, which was fucking horrible. 
but even for raising such a little tyrant. Yeah. Well, this is the problem. Fucking helicopter parents. This is the problem. And this is where we are going as a society. There's no question about it. We have a society that wants more hate speech laws, but no police. So I'm just questioning them how this is going to work when you want more hate speech laws, but you want to get rid of anybody that could possibly enforce all laws. How does this work in their brain? Does anybody have any idea? Because I'm curious about that when somebody's like, yay. Obviously, if if everybody would just subscribe to their ideology and everybody else who doesn't believe exactly the same things in lockstep as them would just go off and die somewhere, then the world would be great. And they probably want to help them. That's really how they believe. Yeah, they just want to help them get to the point to where they're uh, removed from society. I don't know. I. I, I just love the quote. I'm not proud to work for a company that publishes him. Okay. Congratulations. Now you don't pick up your things. Yeah. Go work for somebody else or don't work for yeah, anybody if, at all. If they'll hire you. You know, I mean, this or, is, or, or go learn how the real world doesn't care about your, your, your fucking feelings. Yeah. I mean, you know and, what? And then come back with enough world experience to grow the fuck up. I can tell you this. If I owned a publisher or I could make money and by publishing works by Barack Obama or you go down the whole list, Joe Biden, AOC, uh, you know, Kamala Harris. If I could publish all of their uh, autobiographies and make money, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it, agree with the damn the, thing they say. I publish and take capitalism. the cash. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm publishing. I'm taking the cash and I'm smiling all the way around. The fact that you're, that you're so, and these are the, the liberals like, oh, we're so open minded bullshit. These are the people that are so closed off at this point that if somebody has a different viewpoint as them, they aren't even allowed to speak it, which is just I don't know how we got to this point. I don't because it seems like we leapfrogged at some point going. No child left behind. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody gets a trophy. Uh, yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. Zero tolerance um yeah uh common core uh, yeah i mean i guess yeah go all down the line and this you, you is can, you can up. trace it it all started with a bunch of education ideas that we we moved away from you know suck it up buttercup to uh oh everybody's feelings are important and and we raised an entire generation without being able to cope with the real world yeah, if you misgender somebody, you could go to jail. It's like, huh. And that's Mr. Gender to you. Uh-huh. But, but but people could decide what they identify as. So all it is is if somebody comes up to you and says, Hello, Mr. Bemrose, you're like, I identify as a woman, jail. And the next person comes up and says, Oh, well, that's okay, Ms. Bemrose. I identify as a male now, jail. And uh this yeah. is the world we're in. I and and that is the the practical problem with any kind and for some reason the idea that we should somehow be able to prevent people from offending each other is it is pervasive it is extremely common and it results in way too much bad legislation and the root problem with all of it is the fact that the decision to become offended is made by the recipient of the words, not by the sender, who is the one you'd punish. So anybody, if if I choose to be offended at something you say, 
then you can be a punished for a choice that I made. That is not workable. Nope. Welcome. Oh, I'm offended by that. Okay, me too. <laughs> this yeah. is just a question of who gets who says offended first, and that's like yes, the winner. Yeah. <laughs> this is one, one, two, three, offended. That's the, the welcome to the offended podcast here on the No Agenda Stream. Oh no, there's lots of those out there. Lots of offended podcasts. I don't want to be one of those. There are a few of them now. I mean, now you, that we've successfully offended each other, we should probably just stop the show. We should. I just said one other thing, which has been sitting around for a while, and I thought this is since we okay. talked about DVDs and why they're irrelevant yes. at this point. Did you know now, especially because of the land of COVID, that uh, theater renting is a thing? What do you think it costs? You know, what's in your area? Do you know if it's AMC, Cinemark, uh, Alamo? I know there's a bunch of uh, like renting, like renting one one butt space in a theater during a two hour movie block or no, like the whole theater. Like you get the whole room and uh, you can you can do this now. Oh, so like a private screening. Yes, yes, exactly. I have absolutely no idea. I imagine it would be a couple hundred. Now, AMC, it says the price varies depending on which movie you select. Now, if you take an older movie, so not a brand new release, 99 bucks plus tax to get you the whole damn theater, which doesn't seem bad. Doesn't seem bad at all. Yeah. Whereas new movies, 150 to 350 plus tax, which again, you can bring as many friends as you want. I mean, you can fill the place up. It just shows you how much these uh, theaters I mean, are hurting. I mean, 150 to 350. I mean, you're already in the range of what it costs to take a family of six to the theater. Normally, once, yeah. Once you, yeah, once everybody ends up with a drink and a keg of popcorn and, you know, <laughs> Ned, Ned wants to know if he can bring beer with. I mean, if you're, I mean, I guess maybe if the whole theater is yours, who's going to stop? That you? might make it worth it. You know, an actual keg. <laughs> Wheel Dude, that if in. I can rent out a theater, if I can rent out a theater and uh, forget all these new Hollywood movies, because they all fucking suck. Right. Um, Give me an old yeah, one. Grumpy, grumpy. But yeah, like movies. If you want an action movie, go watch one of the ones from the 80s. They were cheesy as shit, but they were good. Uh, nowadays, everybody has feelings. But I, yeah, if I can bring my own movie and I can bring a keg of beer, then yeah I'd, I'd do it you know what then the only thing that would make it better is if i just ignore the movie theater and have it at my house <laughs> well you don't have the huge screen but i mean otherwise you're close uh amc will let you bring your own food but then you'll have to pay 250 dollars uh because then they can't make their money cinemark says yes to an extent you're allowed to bring cupcakes but not a cake <laughs> <laughs> okay so cinemark I, okay i would like to know what meeting this came out of like well could people bring food well they could bring cupcakes but not a cake that seems oddly specific yes it does so uh so your 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 mileage may vary on what you can bring in but uh i thought that was fairly interesting and uh you know of course they're cleaned and sanitized and all this and uh it's it's an interesting concept it just shows you that businesses are trying to pivot in some way to keep making money and we get it and uh, i think that entertainment is the thing when we are looking back on this COVID thing in a year five years or more i think it's going to be more detrimental to the entertainment industry than it any other been. it has but i don't think they're going to bounce back as quickly either i don't think that people Do you are gonna- think anybody's going to be allowed to bounce back that's a good question. Build, build back better. I mean, come on. We've got at least four years of lockdown coming. 
if 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 your prediction comes true and and Harris ends up taking office. Yeah. And the UK is already saying like at least another year of lockdowns, which I don't get being that they're saying the the vaccine is going to start being uh, distributed within like weeks now, like probably within two weeks. If I were a conspiracy theorist, I would say that uh, one of the biggest impediments to bringing in some kind of a, a socialist communist regime is all of the people who are busy living their lives without direct government interference uh, being, you know, engaging in commerce, free trade, talking to interacting with each other. And you have to stop all interactions between two different people that doesn't involve the government. And what's the best way to do that? Well, you shut down all small businesses, you kill them all uh, so that people don't engage in commerce, that they only engage in commerce with the large businesses that that you've selected, because that way you can, you know, step in and, and have some measure of control. Uh, you make sure that people aren't allowed to talk to each other and whether that be out of fear of each other or fear of the government, it doesn't really matter. You just make sure that no neighbors will ever talk to or see each other you make sure that everybody is scared and hates each other and that the only friend anyone has is the government that is how you get a population ready to embrace the kind of state control that comes in with a a full globalist communist regime that's what i would suggest if i were a conspiracy theorist and i've got a million dollar idea that i'm stealing from uh, sir matthew of the maps with matt once podcast it hasn't been around in like months um this is a multi-million dollar deal for uh, Victoria's Secret or any other lingerie maker out there. A push-up bra with the slogan, bounce back better. <laughs> I think that's genius. And uh, if you make that, just uh, just make sure you make a donation here to Grumpy Old Benz. I don't think we mentioned grumpyoldbenz.com is the place you want to go if you want to take part in the value for value model like our buddy Sir, uh, Sir Lee Mofo did. And uh, grumpyoldbenz.com. Click one of those donate buttons. Use the QR code for Bitcoin or use the P.O. box address for the old snail mail. Any bit helps. So until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I don't have any Thanksgiving leftovers. I guess I should have gone to your house. And from America's left coast, where we're building back worse. I'm Ryan Bemrose. You're not supposed to build back worse. I don't want to have to build back at all, but they're destroying it as we speak. (laughs) 